Well, welcome. Thanks for making the decision to uh, join us today. If you're watching online, thank you. And uh, if you're watching online today, make sure you jump on that chat box and let us know that you're watching our service today. Uh, I have the privilege of kicking off a new series today, and I'm really excited um, about this series. It's called Practice. Practice. And what we're going to be talking about is we'll be presenting at least five practices or habits, you might call them, that are essential in the life of a believer. This, you might think, is basic, but I've yet to meet anybody that has these down perfectly. And indeed, these practices are lifelong practices that are critical in us growing in our faith. They're critical in helping us move closer to where God wants us to be. They're critical in uh, developing in us that trust that we can look to our Heavenly Father and be the people that he's called us to be. Um, I have a couple questions for you this morning. First, would anybody uh, listening today agree with me that we're living in uncertain times? Yeah, political, societal craziness, COVID-19 and all the tension with the differing opinions and theories, uh, crazy weather patterns, hurricanes, rampant wildfires, personal trials and tribulations, the Dodgers winning the World Series. The world is upside down, let's face it. It's a crazy world, and yet, and yet, there's always a and yet, and yet I am confident that God is not sitting on his throne, wringing his hands over what's happening. I have no doubt that he's not losing or will lose any sleep for this upcoming election. He's not going to lose any sleep over that. My beard does weird things to this. Okay. Um, I also think that he's not, he's not losing any sleep. He's not wringing his hands over the current COVID spike and worried. It's, oh, I'm so worried that it's not going to flatten back out. God is not wringing his hands over those things. His sovereign plan continues and will continue to move forward perfectly and exactly as he intends for his good purposes. And yet, these disruptions, these things that come into our lives that don't fit how we think they should go, that we can't plug conveniently into how we think life should be or should go, those things can sometimes shake our faith. They can make us question if God is really in control. Life, this is a, I'm going to confess, this is a struggle for me. Life, not according to Doug's plan. That can be a struggle at time. Do we really believe, I think this is a question, do we really believe that God is who he says he is, or is our faith based on the hope that he will come through according to our plan? That's a serious question that we need to ask ourselves. Today's sermon title is called Devote Daily. Devote Daily. And what I want to talk about today is some practices that God's Word clearly outlines, some things that we should be doing, that we should be practicing daily, that requires our effort and our attention to, to, to be done daily. And when we practice these things on a daily and a consistent basis, God 
will fulfill his promises to us to give us the strength, to give us the encouragement, and to give us the guidance to have victory in this world, to not have a weak or a shaky faith. And the better we get at these practices, uh, the more that we will trust him. And I want to begin by reading a couple scriptures and setting forth some some really definitions for us. And, and the first one is John 15, 5. And that says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And I love to do word studies. And, and I looked at that word abide. And, and what a wonderful word and what a rich word that word is. And, and many of, of Many translations, instead of abide, they, they translate it to remain in. So that's a very good translation, to remain in. Continue to be present with, okay? To be kept continually, to remain as one. Those are, that, that's what that word abide means. It speaks to the imperative of continually being connected to Christ. Continually. Moment by moment, day by day. Uh, uh, and, and what this verse tells us, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward verse. It tells us that if we remain in him, if we abide in him, if we stay connected to him, we will have spiritual success. That's what it says. We will bear much fruit. And conversely, it says, if we don't, we are rendered spiritually impotent. We can do nothing in and of ourselves spiritually that it serves any eternal good. The next verse that I want to look at and do a little definition for is out of Deuteronomy, and it's Deuteronomy 13.4. And that verse says, serve only, serve only the Lord your God and fear him alone. Obey his commands, listen to his voice, and cling to him. And this verse, interestingly enough, and that's why I chose it, um, addresses all three of the primary practices that we're going to, looking, we're going to be looking at today. S surrendering serving and seeking. They're all in this verse. And so the first one in order in this verse, it says serving. And what, what is serving him? I think we get confused at times, but what serving Christ is, it's being a representative of him in everything that we do. It's demonstrating Christ-likeness by our actions. Okay, that's what serving him is. In everything we do, we're representing him well. Also, when it talks about uh, fear him alone, that talks about a reverential awe where we surrender our will to his will. We say, you're God, I'm not. I surrender to your will. You know better than I do what's going on. And then that listen to his voice, that speaks of seeking him, hearing from him through his word and through prayer and by his Holy Spirit's leading. And then last, it says cling to him. That's, we're kind of back to that abiding thing. Cling to him. That's the same word that's used earlier in the book of Genesis when it talks about Adam and Eve, that a man should leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. They're joined together as one. That cleaved word really speaks of being glued together. Okay? So back to the abide word. To abide in, to consistently be connected to, to be glued together. Okay? It also has the, has the thought process of to embrace wholeheartedly, to cling to wholeheartedly, to be doing it with all of our heart, mind, and soul, to cling to him. I want to tell a story to start this off of a time in my life um, and that I desperately, I desperately wanted to hear from God. I desperately wanted 
to hear from God. If you, do you remember the story in the Old Testament? Abraham and Isaac, and Abraham's told to sacrifice his son, and they go up on the mountain. I tell you what, I have no doubt that Abraham was praying, God, I want to hear your voice. I want, I want to do your will, but I want to hear your voice because I'm not sure. And guess what? I'm glad that Abraham prayed that prayer because he heard God's voice when the knife was up here. And God said, stop, Abraham. You've shown me that you're a faithful man. My story is on July 24th, 2003. And I desperately wanted to hear God's voice. I desperately wanted God's peace. I was on my face on the floor, which is not my normal place of prayer. But I was on my face on the floor praying to hear God's voice, praying for clarity in decision. I was trying to make the decision to unhook my son from life support. And I was holding on to the ventilator and the medication and all those things that were keeping him alive. And that was my will. That's what I wanted. It made no sense to me that a 26-year-old would be dying. I didn't want that. But I wanted to hear from God. I wanted to I wanted to surrender, and when I did surrender, God clearly spoke to me, and, he, and I was filled with a peace beyond, even in that, I was filled with a peace beyond comprehension because I had surrendered, I had let go of my will, and I had embraced God's will. And God clearly spoke to me. And again, I don't clearly hear from God every day. I have urgings of God's spirit urging me and moving me, but I clearly heard from God saying, Doug, this stuff that's keeping your son alive is for you. I'm giving you time to understand what my will is. I'm calling your son home. And the peace was amazing. And you know, that's what God wants. He doesn't want us to be in that pain. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. He doesn't want us to be in that pain, but he wants us to be in a place of surrender. Because when we're there, guess where we are? We're as close as we can be in this world to our created purpose of relationship to him. That's what he wants from us. He wants that surrender. Okay? He wants us to trust him and believe that he's God and he knows better than we do. So we're going to look at these daily practices, and, and uh, Philippians 4, 8, and 9 kind of sets forth the why that we should devote daily. And it says, and now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing and here's the why, then the God of peace will be with you. Then the God of peace will be with you. Keep putting into practice. Again, stating the importance of a daily and continual practice. And I want to dispel some misconceptions. That I, that I think there's some misconceptions in the church. There's some misconceptions with people who are in relationship with Christ. And the first one is this. Some people think that that 
the only time that we have to surrender is when we make that decision to, to step into relationship with Christ. We pray that sinner's prayer. We make that decision to surrender. Say, okay, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And so we surrender. Some people think from that point on, it's just autopilot, that we just, we just get spiritually mature. We just learn how to walk with him, that, it, that it's just automatic, that there's no effort on our part, that we've got that, we've got that, that, that uh, insurance, eternal insurance, and we can just go our merry way, and it doesn't require anything on our part. That's false. That's not how it happens. That's not how it works. God's word is clear that that's not how it happens. Now, hear me very clearly on this. We have nothing to do with our salvation. That first part is all God's doing. He saves us. He rescues us. It's not because of our merit. It's not because we deserve it. He does that all all himself. That's all his work, his love, his grace, his mercy showered upon us. He gives us that gift. But after that takes place, we have a responsibility to walk with him and, and to surrender to him and to seek him and to serve him. To, and what, when we do those things, it demonstrates that we're in relationship with him. It's not how we get in a relationship with him, but it demonstrates that we are. Some other misconceptions are that you can have spiritual success without surrender. You can't. You can't have spiritual success without surrender. You can't have victory without defeating your flesh. Okay? These are, these are straightforward principles. And you can't have peace without abiding in Him, without embracing Him. Okay? Those are very straightforward things. And many are, are, are deceived in those things. People want victory. They want to have victory, whether it's over addictions or, or, or some sin in their life. They want to have victory, but they're not willing to surrender. They're not willing to look to him. They're not willing to, to crucify the flesh and all those things. So let's, let's go ahead. If you're, if you're uh, an outline keeper, look, uh, the first point on your outline is surrender. Surrender to him. And again, this is a daily practice, okay? Um, there's an Oswell Sanders quote that says this. There is only one thing that God wants of us, and that's for our unconditional surrender. And uh, I would add to old Ozzy's quote and say this, uh, and he wants it daily. Okay, and he wants it daily. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. So there, there, there's three daily practices on the outline today, and, and they're purposefully in the order they are because I believe you always have to start with surrender. Surrender is always the first step. And uh, you might think less of me because I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to have these big eloquent prayers, but let me give you a little insight on what my daily prayer of surrender sounds like, Okay. You might want to take notes because this is profound. This is my prayer. God, once again, I confess that you're God and I'm not. That's my prayer of surrender. And it, it, it's, it's, I'm not going to say that's simple because that's hard because I have an old nature. I have a flesh that doesn't like that. But you're God and I'm not. I'm surrendering to you. Uh, I acknowledge that you're God. Help me, Lord, to continue to crucify my flesh and to be used by you today. God, I want to do what you want me to do today. I'm surrendering 
to your will. I'm realigning myself. I'm putting myself back in the right order. I'm not God. I'm Doug. And a lot of times my life is Doug's up here and God's down here. So it's a, it's a daily realignment. It's a confession and a realization, <clears throat> again, that he's sovereign and I'm not. Um, and it, that doesn't necessarily just happen for me in the morning. That has to happen at usually every traffic light. Uh, most people I talk to, that has to happen again with. Uh, and so it's a moment-by-moment moment thing where we have to get our minds wrapped around the fact that he's God, I am not. I can't operate in my own strength. I need to be dependent upon him for who he is. It tells us in Matthew 7, 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The second part of the surrender is a daily surrender to Christ's teaching and his principles. Okay? A daily surrender to that. To remind ourselves that God's ways are not our ways. His ways are above our ways. The way he does things is different than the way that we would do things. And again, my prayer might sound like, Lord Jesus, I confess that my ways are not your ways. I surrender my ways. I surrender my thoughts to allow your words to teach me and to guide me, to deepen my understanding of who you are, how much you love me, and what your plan is for me, okay? So a daily surrender, say, okay, I'm going to go for these truths and promises. I'm going to walk in that, okay? And then the third part of surrender, I think, is seen in Romans 8:14, And this is perhaps the thing that challenges us the most in surrender. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, it's easy to surrender to something that we agree with or something that we desire. Um, it's not so easy to surrender to something um, that's difficult. It's not so easy to surrender to God's spirit speaking to our hearts about our sin. It's not quite so easy to surrender to those blind spots when someone points them out to us in our life. That's not quite so easy when we do that. And being led by the Spirit, that means we're surrendering and accepting everything that God has to say and then, very importantly, taking action on that. It's not surrendering to the Spirit by just saying, okay, Lord, I realize that I have this problem. Surrendering to the Spirit says, I realize I have this problem. I'm going to be dependent on your strength and I want to walk in victory on that problem. I'm going to take an action step to do something about that by your strength, okay? Trusting and believing that he knows what's best for us eternally, that he knows what he wants us to be, okay? Here's a thought. The greater success that we have in crucifying the flesh and surrendering our will to the will of our Heavenly Father, the closer we get to our created purpose of intimacy and relationship with our Creator, God-honoring transformation happens on the other side of surrender. Amen. Okay? We have to surrender. That's where transformation takes place in our life. Galatians 2.20 has been kind of my life verse. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and delivered himself up for me. Okay? Not only have I been crucified, I will continue to crucify my flesh. I will continue to reckon that old nature dead. I will continue to walk 
in the new nature that Christ has given me. He's given us his righteousness has been imputed to us. And I will continue to reckon the old man dead and to, to walk by God's empowering in the, in the new nature that he's given me. So surrender. First, surrender to our Heavenly Father. This is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Surrender to the Heavenly Father and his sovereign will. He is God and we are not. Second, surrender to the words and the teachings the principles of Christ. And then third, surrendering to him by the leading of his Holy Spirit. There's three parts that I saw in that surrendering, and all three of those are very, very, very important. The second daily principle we'll see is seeking him, to seek him, and we'll hopefully understand what that means. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. One of our core statements here at Verde Valley Christian Church is love God wholeheartedly. Love God wholeheartedly. And again, this isn't a feeling. We're not talking about a feeling. Now, sometimes we have feelings that go along with that when we do things right. We have a peace and a, a contentment, a godly contentment that comes with that. But it isn't a feeling. It's an action step. And that seeking him means we're making him our priority daily. He is our priority, nothing else. And uh, I agree, we're all busy. We're all short of time. Our lives are, all of our lives are congested with a lot of, a lot of busy, busyness and, and things that for the most part probably aren't really very eternally um, profitable at all, okay? Now God has promised to respond to us in that verse that we just quoted. He said, if you, if you look for me, if you seek me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So he's promised that when we seek him wholeheartedly, when we spend time before him in prayer, and when we spend that prayer time before him adoring him, rejoicing in who he is. I mean, he knows who he is, but he likes to hear us say it sometimes. Okay? He actually likes to hear us say it all the time because it helps train us. It helps us remember who he is. Okay? So we adore him. We confess our sin to him with a heart open and ready uh, to hear from him and to, and to ask his spirit to lead us and to guide us in those things. So we adore him. Uh, we confess our sin. We thank him. We come to him with, with a thankful heart. We thank him for everything that he's allowed into our lives, good, bad, or otherwise. We thank him that it's from his loving hands that that happens. And then the last one is, is we, we, we pour out our heart in, in the things that, are, that, that uh, is happening in our lives, the things that we need, the things that we desire. We pour out our heart to him. Uh, we ask for, uh, on behalf of others, uh, supplication, okay? Uh, all those things are part of prayer. All those things are part of, of seeking him, okay? And when we, when we do that, when we take the time to pour out our hearts before him, and when we sit still, we sit still before him after we've done that, and just let him have an opportunity to get a word in edgewise, okay? And, uh, but we have to sit still for that. We have, to, we have to be in a position of wanting to hear, of desiring to hear from him. And he will, whether it's through his word, whether it's a, a prompting of God's spirit that just uh, moves you towards something or, or, or moves you in a, into a truth, okay? That's a very important part to seek him wholeheartedly. The second thing we see in Psalm 119, 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Again, uh, the daily practice of seeking him in his word, okay? Um, it's not just a reading plan. 
Spending time in God's word is not a reading plan that we check the box and said, okay, I did that part. I read that verse. I read that chapter. I read through the Bible in a year. That's really, that's, that is good. That's, that's an accomplishment. But it's not just a reading plan to be checked off, okay? His word, okay, is the means in which he reveals who he is to us, okay? That's what his word is for, okay? It shows us and tells us what his truths what his promises are. It gives us the thing that guides us in our walk with him. It teaches us about his kingdom and our place in it, okay? Interacting with God's word. It's not reading. It's interacting with God's word, okay? And when we do that, it requires reading. Yes, we have to read it to interact with it. We have to study it. We have to meditate on it. We have to reflect on it. What does this mean? How can I apply this in my life? And then... And again, you might think this is the only thing I ever talk about. We have to apply it. We have to apply it. If you stop there, it serves no purpose. If you stop there and you don't apply what he's speaking to your heart, okay? And whether it be one of his truths or whether it be one of his promises or whether, it be, whether it's a conviction that he brings into your life. If you, if you never read God's word or if you're reading God's word and you don't get convicted, then you're not doing those things. Okay? Because there's only one guy who would have never been convicted, and that's Jesus. Okay? And we're not him. So when we read God's word, we should experience convictions. I'm not saying condemnation. There is no condemnation for us that are in Christ Jesus. But we should experience some conviction as God's spirit says, hey, this isn't quite right in your life. Or, you know, why don't you try to change your way a little bit with this area? This isn't glorifying to me, okay? So those things should come. Jesus himself tells in Matthew chapter 5 that we're blessed when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, when we seek him, when we have a desire to find out who he is, to, to learn his truths and promises, and to walk in them. And then he, told, he tells us that, that when we do that, we'll find him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's what he wants us to do. So seeking him with a desire to live a holy and pleasing life, okay? Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And we can have this transformation when we seek his will, his truths, and his promises for us in his word and then walk in those truths by his spirit's empowering. We'll never have any success unless we allow his spirit to empower us in those things. Matthew 7, verses 4 and 5 and you might think, what is he talking about in this verse? Let's see if I know what I'm talking about in this verse. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. What God is saying, what God says to me many times is, Doug, oh, log eye, Doug. I want to help you change your way. I want to help you change. That's the only way you're going to have any, any spiritual success is I want to help you change. Are you willing to go with me on that? Are you willing to surrender uh, and, and apply the truths that I've shown you in my word? And, and when we do that, when, we, when, when that, when that process, and I hate to call it a process, but when that process takes place, um, it's really the validation 
that we are in relationship with him. And it's really the validation and evidence that God is working in us to transform us into the image of Christ. That's his desire for us. And he will do it by the empowering of his spirit to live a life that's pleasing to him. There's a quote by uh, Alistair Begg that says, it is when we become captive to God's truths that we find real freedom. If you think about being a captive, in order to be a captive, you have to first surrender. Okay? You have to surrender first. Then, after we've surrendered, we have to seek him to know his ways before we'll ever trust him enough to apply what he shows us into our lives. And we can do that only then will we find real freedom. Okay? And uh, again, back to that Abraham and Isaac story. Boy, he must have, he must have been a, a man of faith to trust God enough to say, okay, God, this is the son of promise. You know, this is, the, this is the heir to what you've told me the blessings is going to be, and yet you're telling me to, to sacrifice him on the mountain? What? Okay, Lord, I trust you. So God wants that trust. He wants us to, to look to him for that. He wants us to be a captive to his will and his way. The third daily practice that we're going to talk about is, is serving him, to serve him. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do, be a representative to your heavenly Father. So we're called to daily be a representative of him, to demonstrate who Christ is by our actions each and every day, each and every moment of the day. I think a lot of times we get hung up on the fact that, well, I serve and these are good things. I serve because I, I, I'm a greeter in the hall, and I serve, I'm, I, I work in the nursery. I serve because I serve in the children's ministry. I serve because I work on the security team. I serve, those are all great things, and those are serving. But this scripture kind of says, and whatever you do, those are all great things, and that's serving. But we need to serve him daily, Every day be a representative of him. Live an obedient life that others will see and realize that we're different. Okay? And whatever that might be, that might be a kind word to that crabby old fart Walmart greeter. That might be what that is. Okay? That might be, uh, you know, you name it. We, we have so many opportunities each and every day to serve him by representing Christ in our interactions with people. Every day. There's very few of us that don't, that in some way aren't around other people. It might even be on the phone. Maybe, maybe you're called to serve him by talking nicely to the tech help guy that you can't understand on the phone. Okay? Maybe that's how he's calling you to serve him. He's calling you to do that. And we, do, we don't really, the way I read scripture, we don't really have a lot of choice to say, well, I'm not going to be a Christian in this circumstance, but, but you know, maybe this one I will be. But, but this, this is an exception. This morning, God, I don't have to do this. In fact, let me do a little rabbit trail here. This morning, I'm rolling up to the, the four-way stop sign at the top of the hill where we live out in Cornville. There's never anybody there. I've never probably seen another car at the intersection that I actually had to yield to or, or stop. So I rolled right through the stop sign, and I, I got to thinking, you know, uh, that stop sign's there for a purpose, and God put it there for a purpose. And boy, if I live my life continuing to ignore all of those little things of, oh, I don't have to stop at the stop sign, and oh, I don't really have to drive 35, 
That's not really what that speed limit, it, it really could be 45, 55, 65, whatever, because after all, it's Doug's world, and so I should be able to do what I want and not stop. And not, That's training me in a wrong way. That's not, that's not good. That's not what, you know. And uh, even if it's those little bitty things, we have to be careful of, of training ourselves in, in everything, in the ways that we do everything. So we really need to, to give some attention to that. And, and remember that in whatever you do, do it as a representative of Christ, even driving. That's what God showed me this morning. Even in driving, even if it's 5 o'clock in the morning and there's no other traffic in the road, I still should be a representative of Christ. I mean, I was actually hoping I'd get pulled over so I could really have it as a good example this morning to use, but I, I didn't. I got away with it, which is another problem. So, um, uh, Ephesian, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people, to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And I didn't say is to equip God's people to do his work because I don't think I have any work to do, but, but I'm called to equip you guys to do God's work. I have to do it too, but you guys are called, all of God's people are called to do his work. And part of our purpose statement here at Verde Valley Christian Church says, we grow, we grow in grace and truth through Jesus Christ in relationships designed by him. We serve Christ through relationships, through Christ-honoring relationships. The New Testament talks much, I think 59 times or so in the New Testament, it talks about one another's things we can do in, in relationship. They're all relationship-based, okay? To love one another, to be devoted. I'm not going to read all 59 of them, so don't worry. Be devoted to one another, honor one another, live in harmony with one another, build up one another. All of those things, when acted upon, is a way that we can serve Christ, I think that we should exchange the word serve for please, maybe. Maybe that would be easier for us to understand. How do we please him? Okay, serving is, is a way, and these are one of the, this is the way we please him in those Christ-honoring relationships. And when we do that, when we, when we build one another up, we strengthen and encourage the church, we, we all grow in our knowledge and understanding of who he is and what his desires are for us. That's pleasing to him, and that's serving him when we do that. Matthew 5, uh, says, 5.14 says, You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Another way that we serve our Heavenly Father is by being His light and His salt in this world. Okay, And again, I think there's some misconceptions here. I think many think, well, I, God hasn't called me to be a missionary in Haiti, so I can't really be a light and a salt. Well, you know what? You can be a light and a salt to the guy at Walmart. Okay, you can be you can be light and salt to every single person that you come in contact with. In fact, that is the call. That is the idea. Only some are, are called to go and, and serve as missionaries or those kind of representatives uh, in the world. We're all called to be representing him well in our community. And again, we all have contact with people on a daily basis. Grocery store, pharmacy, gas station. Dutch Brothers, on the phone, whatever. And so if you, if you don't know how you can be light to the world, I would say with the next person you come in contact with, start there. That's a good place to start with. The next person you come in contact with, be light and salt 
to that person. So as a matter of review, devote daily, devote daily with these daily practices. First, surrender to him. And what we're doing is we're surrendering to God's sovereign will. So we're surrendering to the Father. We're surrendering to the Son by, by adhering to his teaching, his principle, his truth. We're surrendering to the Holy Spirit by uh, listening to him and be obedient to him in the direction that he's moving us. We're responding to him, okay? When we do that, when we do those things, we hear better. Our hearing is clearer when we respond in a right way, okay? So that's the surrender. Second, seek him. We seek him um, in prayer and meditation. We seek him in studying and interacting with his word. Again, I want you to read God's word, but I don't want just to read it as a checklist. I want you to read and interact with God's word, and that requires some application of what you're reading as we move and take steps by his empowering towards a life that is pleasing to him. And then we serve him, okay? We, we represent him in all that we do. And it doesn't matter what your, your vocation is. It doesn't matter if you're retired. We are called to serve him in, in everything we do, to represent him well in everything we do by loving others. By loving, by loving his church, we're called to have a special affection for people in the church, but we're, we're called to, to love our neighbor and, and to love those both near and far. And I want to end back with that Deuteronomy passage that says, serve only the Lord your God and fear him alone. Obey his commands. Listen to his voice and cling to him. And I want you to ask yourself some tough questions. And one of them is, what are you glued to? What are you abiding in? What are you attached to? And if it's something other than Christ, then, then go to him and ask him for help and, and seek him and surrender to him. You know, uh, let loose let loose of those things that you're, that you're clinging to. And th there's a difference, the huge difference of clinging to things that are not of Christ, clinging to, things, clinging to things that are in the world versus embracing Christ and embracing the things that he has for us, even if it's tough stuff. It's a completely different posture, a, a posture of surrender instead of clinging to these things out here, we're clinging to him. We're embracing him. So again, daily embrace him, cling to him, abide in him. That is God's greatest desire for me. It's his greatest desire for you. And it's his plan, and it's the only way that we can have the abundant life that he wants us to have both in this world and for all eternity. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Father, we are... We're so thankful that you are a sovereign and a good, good father. We thank you, Lord, for each and everything that you allow into our lives and pray, Lord, that you would continue to strengthen and encourage us, Father, to uh, look to you, to look to you daily, even moment by moment, to have that posture of surrender, Father, to seek you. You've told us that when we seek you, you will be found. So we want to seek you. We want to serve you. We want to have a life that would represent you well. And Father, we confess that we need your strength. We need your, the empowering of your spirit to do those things.
Help us to love like you loved us. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name.